This morning, we will be taking Holy Communion. The scriptures we have chosen this Advent are from the Old Testament as we think through the themes of Messiah's arrival. So today we read in the ninth chapter from the major prophet Isaiah as we continue to think about peace. Isaiah 9, 2 through 7. I will read and then offer a short meditation before communion. Isaiah 9, starting with verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exult when dividing plunder. For the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian." For all the boots of the tramping warriors and all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Consider the picture Isaiah is portraying here in the first verses that we read. People cannot see because their lives are shrouded in darkness. They are burdened and bent over with the yoke of work. They are oppressed with those who hold the rod of power. There is war as soldiers have marched through their land. There has been bloodshed as death has stolen life from those who lost the battle. This is a grim picture Isaiah describes. Indeed, the life of the people in the northern kingdom of Israel was under a ruler who had chosen to align himself with an enemy nation instead of the God who had real power to help him. So there is little peace as the people's lives have been decimated. For the last eight chapters, Isaiah has been painting a picture of lament and despair and telling them that soon again, their country will be invaded. In all the prophets, there is a zigzag between the past and the present and the future. Isaiah is detailing God's grievances with them from before. He is appealing to them today, telling them, hold firm, hope will come. And then telling them, before it gets better, though, it's going to get worse. God knows this king will not obey him. Yet, Isaiah says, there is a king who is coming to reign, one who is born to save the people from their suffering, one who is good and reverent before the Lord. In the time of Isaiah, these words would have been heard about an earthly king, most likely King Hezekiah, the son of King Ahaz, who is the monarch when Isaiah is writing these words. Hezekiah, unlike his father, was a great and righteous man. He was a king who brought back true worship to the people. He understood how honoring the Lord was vital to our life here. 
These words refer both to an earthly king who they wanted to save them at that time, but also who a divine king who would be born to deliver all those living in darkness at a later time. When we read these words, we might hear echoes of music from Frederick Handel, who wrote Messiah, one of the most glorious pieces of work ever written for humankind. Did you know that Messiah was actually not written for Christmas? The idea originally came from a close friend of Handel's named Charles Jennings, who wrote the text for Easter and asked his friend Frederick to write music for it. After he agreed to compose it, Handel did so in less than four weeks. 260 pages of musical score, close to a quarter of a million musical notes in less than four weeks. Imagine the vision that he must have had as he diligently wrote words to music, both from scripture and also from his friend, all meant to gloriously honor the Most High God. Christians have believed for centuries that these words from Isaiah are about their Messiah, Jesus. And this music that we know helps cement this idea as this music plays and is sung every year in so many places and also in our hearts. It was first performed in Dublin in 1742 to an audience of 700. And they said to the women, don't wear hoop skirts because we want to get in as many people as we can. Do you love that? And then the audience of 700 jumped to their feet as the choir swelled and sang hallelujah. And that's why we still stand for the hallelujah chorus as a testament of singing praise. Isaiah's text goes from desolation and then bursts into metaphorical, beautiful song for us. No wonder that Janice saw these words as an oratorio that needed magnificent music to go along with them. We should all sing, right? For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and he will reign forever and ever. We rejoice in the gift of Messiah, and this hymn of praise that we find in Isaiah belongs to the Lord. And we sing it with joy, not only for us today, but for all human hearts which have been weighed down through darkness and pain, who trusted God to restore and redeem his people. When we look at these words from Isaiah and we look at the world today, we ask, what has changed from then? People everywhere still live in hopelessness. Their lives bent low with the yoke of their circumstances. War has not ceased. There is oppression in every corner by those who abuse their power. People are still brutally shunned because of their race and their gender and their beliefs their social class, or their cultural background. The ideal that we read is not a reality yet. But then we look at these words and we say, but what is different from then? Christ has come to make all things new, to be our peace. While life on earth continues to be broken, the arrival of Messiah has changed everything because he reigns with his light of truth. He brings joy of knowing him. No matter what we face, having someone with us is a gift that cannot be measured. 
The picture that was given was important for Isaiah's day, for the people to hold on to know that God had not forgotten them. And it is important for us as well. A child born for the people who will grow up to be a great leader filled with authority and wisdom, who rules with justice and righteousness, whose kingdom will know an endless peace. No matter what or who conquers humanity, Jesus can bring peace. One day the whole earth will know this realization of the perfection of these words. But for now, we rejoice because the king has come to us. He has chosen to be one of us in our despair. He is with us as we navigate the broken systems we have created. He binds up the wounds of those who are hurting and mourning because he is forever with us. We can be complete no matter what else happens around us. Peace comes from believing someone is taking care of things so that we don't have to. It comes from the reality that we have someone beside us in all we face. When was a time in your life that you had peace about something because you knew that you were not alone? That someone came beside you and someone had your back. I've been thinking about these words all week long. There are times this week that I lost my peace completely, (laughs) right? Like all of us, we're hassled, we're angry, we can't figure it out, and all of a sudden the peace that Christ came to give us is gone. But then we remember, oh yeah, Christ is with us, Christ is for us, he goes before us, he's inside of us, and we can breathe in his spirit. Someone who's going to help us and cheer us on and lead us. I was thinking that a perfect picture of peace is Jesus sleeping at rest while the storm rages around him and he's in the boat and the disciples are freaking out. Another picture of peace is how he faced evil when he was confronted by demons who knew his name and he did not flinch. Another picture of peace is how he faced his accusers before he went to the cross, knowing that he was in God's hands. Jesus shows us what peace looks like because he understood life here and understood how it was full of God's perfect presence. He was tempted daily. He worked all the time and had little breaks. He lived in an occupied land. He was a witness to all of the things that people do to one another and the worries that people lived under. He had no land of his own. He suffered. He was a laughingstock in his community and died like a criminal. But throughout his life, he trusted in the peace that God daily gave him. Advent is a time where we acknowledge our longing for a new home, for the peace that God has come to give. Like people in Isaiah's time who longed for a ruler to come and help them rebuild as a nation, there are days that we wish with our whole hearts that Christ would come again and rescue us from our earthly binds, from the pain that we experience here. His death has brought us peace because we're reconciled to God and to one another. So while we wait in expectation for the completion of this picture in Isaiah, We work for the peace of God to also be made manifest to those around us. This morning, my prayer is that you would have great peace 
as you recognize all of the ways that you are not alone. In verse 7, it says, It is the zeal of the Lord that has changed his circumstances for his people. Another word for zeal is love. This is saying the Lord Almighty, your Father, has an enthusiastic love for his people, all those that he has formed and created. Because of this, he continually sends help. This is why he sent prophets and priests and kings and all kinds of helper to his people to offer a rescue. In this case, an earthly king, but also a divine one. And while it may seem that the world has won, Christ is victorious. This is who God is in Isaiah's time, in our time, and for the generations that follow. All are welcome at the table of the Lord. Jesus came for everyone, and those who seek to know him as their peace may come forward and receive. As you do, I want you to think about what it is that you need peace for today. How is your heart burdened? Where are you anxious? Where are you upset? Where are you being hassled? How is your heart burdened? And how might the Lord meet you in that place and want to show you that you are not alone? That the world is not alone. That the Lord is more than aware of everything that is happening and is already making provision in ways that we cannot know through his son Jesus. Because authority rests on his shoulders for all of us. So let us affirm his throne of justice and righteousness everywhere as we come forward to ask for his peace to rule in our hearts, for that peace to be made complete in us. As we remember Christ's death in this sacred moment, may we be assured of his spirit among us.